Hi, I'm Ian, co-founder of Dig Insights and president of Dig's innovation insights platform, Upside. Welcome to Dig In. Dig In is the place to stay up to date on what's happening in the world of innovation, research, and technology, to find inspiration from today's business and innovation leaders, and to properly dig into hot topics that matter for consumer brands right now. And when applicable, we'll bring our own research to that conversation. Welcome to a new episode of Dig In. My name is Megan. I'm the marketing director here at Dig Insights. Um, and today I'm so pleased to say that we have Ed from Olipop joining us. Ed, how's it going? Great. Thank you for having me. Yeah, so excited to chat to you. Ed is the category and business insights manager at Olipop. Um, for anyone who doesn't know, Olipop is a fast-growing functional soda brand, and it's genuinely good for you. So it's built with prebiotics and plant fiber. The founders started the business three years ago, and it's grown explosively. They're launching loads of new brands, uh, sorry, loads of new flavors across the United States right now. Um, without further ado, Ed, do you want to tell us a little bit about yourself and about Olipop? Yeah, sure. Um... So I actually started my career in the CPG industry um, with Chameleon Cold Brew. I worked there for two years um, full-time before uh, they actually got acquired by Nestle. And I stayed on board for just over a year learning all things data from, from Nestle, but it was time for me to get back into the startup world. And I did consulting um, for you know brands from pre-revenue to $15 million plus in sales. Um, you know, over 20 different categories and brands. Um, and then uh, actually one of the brands that I, I did consulting for was Olipop um, in the late uh, 2019, the beginning of 2020. And then uh, they had a position open up here and uh, I applied and just couldn't pass up the opportunity to work for Olipop. Um, currently the business insights and category manager, like you said, um, kind of, you know, pioneering this new category that, that we're creating. And then, um, you know, also helping with the forecasting and, and some sales finance stuff as well. But uh, Olipop is, is like you said, it's a, it's a better for you soda. It's, it's got functional ingredients and it actually tastes really good too. You don't get any of that artificial sweetener or anything like that. Um, but more so, it's, it's also just a great company with a great culture. And the two founders, Ben and David are, are really, really awesome people. Amazing. Um, yeah, I've seen, I've seen it online. Um, I love like the retro feel. Um, obviously I'm not as close to the product as you are. So what, what do you think makes Olipop so unique? Um, and why did the founders themselves start the business? Yeah. Um, you know, what makes Olipop unique is that it really does taste like a soda. I think Ben is, is just a genius and is like kind of the mad scientist behind the whole thing. And, uh, you know, really um, like focuses a lot of time on the flavor and kind of that nostalgic feel of soda. Um, but at the same time, packing it with so much healthy prebiotics and fiber for you that it's, it's actually beneficial for you to drink one of these a day. You should drink an Olipop a day to help your, your fiber intake. Um, and so I think it's just really unique because it, it still tastes like a soda, but you're getting a ton of functional ingredients and benefits with it as well. Um, and, and the founders, Ben and David started it just, you know, Ben's got a really um, interesting background from his childhood. 
going through, you know, just all kinds of, of different health issues and really found his passion behind trying to create a, you know, functional beverage or, or food item of some sort that he could appeal to the masses. Um, David is this genius marketer um, with a great background and they met over 10 years ago um, and developed, you know, it took a lot of, of time and planning to develop Olipop and it launched in, in 2018. It's so interesting because I can imagine the category, like the soda category or the beverage space, it's, it's super crowded. Um, and even when you say something like, you should be drinking one of these a day, when people associate, it, the, the mental associations that people have with the soda category are often not that you should be drinking one a day. Um, so I'm really curious to understand kind of how you're approaching the categories that you live in. Um, do you define it as the soda category? Are you like across the beverage space um, in totality? Where are you kind of stealing market share from? What does that whole space look like for you guys? Yeah, it's it's really fascinating actually. Um, you know, we're playing in a lot of different categories. And then also where we're being merchandised is different than some of our competitors as well. Um, but all in all, we're currently defining it as a digestive health set. So that includes, you know, kombucha, kefir water, and then what we're calling functional pop. Um, some of the top brands right now in functional pop, um, Olipop, kind of the pioneer, um, you know, there's, there's Health Aid is launching a, a you know, booch pop. Um, and then also you have, you know, Rebel just launched a, a pop as well. And then you have Poppy. Um, so those are kind of the, the top competitors within the functional pop, but functional pop, you know, kind of falls into that umbrella of digestive health that we're calling it. Um, what's, what's tricky about that is that a lot of the functional pops are actually shelf stable. And so they're not in the same space that we are, you know, when we're presenting to a retailer. So it's, you know, trying to keep an eye on your competitor, but at the same time, right now, our true competitors that we're fighting space over on the actual shelf, a lot of the times is kombucha. So when we're building out the data story, you know, we're including the other functional pop brands, but we have to focus on how we're performing versus kombucha right now, you know, and then with the other layer of, you know, we are trying to, you know, appeal to that soda consumer. So we're, you know, also looking at, the data trends of, you know, the shelf stable soda set, which just for context, the digestive health set is about a billion dollar, you know, annualized business in the United States. Soda, shelf stable soda is about a $35 billion um, annualized um, business in the United States. Wow. So, so there, there is a ton of opportunity there. Um, and it's actually growing at like 8%. So the shelf stable soda is growing in terms of dollars pretty significantly, like $3 billion versus last year. Um, so, it, you know, it's very interesting as Olipop kind of appeals to, you know, people who are looking for a healthy digestive, you know, functional beverage in the refrigerated set. We're, we're taking consumers away from kombucha drinkers because, you know, a lot of people like, um, you know, kombucha might be a little too vinegary for them or whatever, but, you know, Olipop has the flavor appeal, but then we're also taking people who are, you know, drinking a Diet Coke every day and want to start drinking Olipop. So it's, it's a balance of trying to look at all the different categories and then know when you're presenting to a retailer, how to tell that story. Yeah. 
I'm just, yeah, as you're talking, the kind of the wheels are spinning just in terms of like the amount of benefits that you just listed of Olipop. So this idea that, you know, it's actually healthy for you, um, the prebiotics, um, the digestive health element. Um, I'm thinking like in terms of calories, even like when you mentioned Diet Coke, like I don't know what the calorie content is, the sugar content. Um, and it does sound like you're leading the category, as you said. So this like fun functional pop space. So how do you approach that? And then I guess my follow-up question to that is like, what benefits do you lead with? Because that's a really challenging space where you've got so many things that you could be shouting about. Like, how do you make sure that they're the right things? Yeah, I mean, it, it's a great point. So the way we're trying to lead it is, you know, right now, Olipop, <clears throat> from a functional pop, like that subcategory that we've kind of created because from like the syndicated data, there, there is no functional pop yet because it's, it's still so, so new to give it some context. In the last 52 weeks, it's about a 20 to $25 million um, subcategory. The 52 weeks before, it was only about a $3 million subcategory. So really explosive growth year over year. Um, and so, you know, we're trying to pioneer that with like leading it. I mean, prebiotics, most people don't really know what prebiotics is. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's, you know, touching on that, but to your point, you know, it, it kind of depends on the, on the retailer and the message that we're trying to portray, you know, sometimes it is the sugar and there's, you're, there's good, um, you know, growth stories around that, that actually drinks within the functional refrigerated space, drinks that have five grams of sugar or less, are growing five times faster uh, than drinks that have more than five grams of sugar. And so there's just a lot of different little, you know, data nuggets that we can pull to kind of tell a story depending on the retailer. We really try to appeal the story to the retailer because not every retailer is the same. You know, when you present to Kroger, it's not going to be the same as presenting to, you know, a, a regional chain in California. It's, it's a little different. Um, but then, you know, just trying to lead the category, we're, we're just trying to lead it and you know, from our marketing efforts, really trying to educate the consumer around what the the, the functional aspects are um, and, and really just trying to educate them. So then when they, you know, hear of a prebiotic soda, Olipop is kind of the first one that comes to their mind. That sounds like a really exciting space. Um, I'm going to switch gears a little bit. Uh, at DIG, we do, we've got our Innovation Insights platform Upside, um, which is our SaaS offering. We also do a lot of sort of strategic innovation work with uh, clients in the CPG space. Uh, so I can't not ask you about innovation. Um, I would love to understand how you guys are thinking about flavor innovation um, and, and almost adding to that, how do you know that a new flavor profile is a good one to go to market with? Yeah, it's, um, the, the Olipop innovation um, have to give a lot of credit to Jim, the, the co-founder, the, the guy that, you know, the, the formulator, the math scientist, as I call him. Um, he, there's actually a really interesting blog on our, um, on our website about him. He, uh, he, since COVID started, since, I mean, the company really launched in, you know, 2018 sales kind of started to take off in 2019, but 2020 was really our first large year of growth where we did more innovation and, and Ben, literally created the formulas in his kitchen with testing all the different um you know juices and and flavor profiles and um and things like that so 
So Ben really is, you know, owning the process of coming out with the flavor and we really trust him with that from, you know, trying to decide which flavor to launch next. Um, you know, in the early years, it was, it was kind of obvious, right? Like we, we wanted to go after the soda consumer. So a lot of people don't know this, but the vintage cola that we have now was actually called cinnamon cola uh, back in the day. Oh. And, and so I think the first point about innovation is it's like, it's okay to continue to change. You know, you don't have to launch something and say like, this is the right way to do it. And I think we kind of learned that that wasn't really appealing to the soda consumer as much because it's like cinnamon cola, like that doesn't really ring the bell right away. So since we changed the name to Vintage Cola, it's actually really helped improve sales. Mm. Um, so that's one thing, but, you know, looking at, at the new, the new flavors, um, you know, I think we're, we're going along the, the, you know, more fruit appeal right now. We, we just, you know, launched Orange Squeeze last year, at the end of last year. Uh, and right before that was Cherry Vanilla. And then we followed it up with the seasonal this summer, which was an orange cream. We were really just trying to hit the notes of a, like, what is a summer drink that kind of hits on that, like, nostalgic, you know, feel when you were a kid. And for Ben, you know, that was orange cream. And so, you know, kind of went with that. And then we actually just launched Grape. Um, the way we kind of, you know, pick out the flavors is, um, you know, first off, the communication with an Olipop around innovation is, is really unique in a company. Um, some of the other brands I've worked with, you know, they have a innovation team behind closed doors. No one really knows about it. At Olipop, communication is top to bottom. I mean, it's, it's posted in Slack. It's like, you know, talked about in our team meetings. It's like full transparency, which I think is really great because you get feedback from the entire team instead of just a small group of people, which is really important. Um, but also we, we kind of have a, a small cult following and so we send emails to, you know, this, you know, 800 to 1500 people uh, and ask them what flavors they would like to see next. And, you know, those are our diehard consumers. And so we listen to that feedback and we take a poll and kind of see, does these flavor profiles align with, you know, kind of some soda trends that we see in the data. And so it's kind of taking a, a little bit of both and then speaking about it openly as a team to try to decide that, that next flavor. Um, What's, what's a little interesting about like trying to launch new flavors and looking at data uh, within the soda category is like, I don't know if a lot of people know this, but the number one flavor in SKU and soda is Coca-Cola. The number two flavor <laughs> is Diet Coke. So it's like, wow. you know, in terms of like who dominates the market share from a flavor profile, it's really just that Coca-Cola flavor, right? Um, so trying to trying to understand what some of the smaller trends are doing that you know we could predict and and be on top of that. Um, so that's kind of how we go about innovation. Yeah, I um I'm a diehard Diet Coke person. So <laughs> so yeah, I but it's interesting to think about like I never really thought about Diet Coke as a I mean it is it's a specific flavor and so is Coca Cola but um, I've always just thought of it as a brand. It's very interesting. I did not know that. Um, and then you, you talked about it. So you launched Grape uh, very recently. How did that launch go? It's going great. Um, I mean, huge shout out to the ops team. Um, you know, as we're kind of adding and switching co-packers and everything as we're growing so much this year, they um, really nailed the, the initial launch with the Grape. Um, we actually just launched in about 1,500 Kroger's nationwide. Um, so keep an eye out for that on the shelf. It should be rolling out 
pretty much this week or next. Um, and then we have some other um, large retailers coming on before the end of the year, but you can also find it in a lot of, you know, local independents across the country as well. But so far, really great feedback. Um, I think it's actually taken my heart as my number one skew. Um, before it was the orange squeeze, but this one, I mean, it is just so good. I mean, it really tastes like a grape soda. It, it's like, it, but not like an artificial grape. I don't know. It's like just it's perfect. I gotta, I gotta try. That kind of leads me to, so when you talk about um, independence or Kroger's across the country, um, that's just in this, you're just in the U.S. right now, correct? You're not available outside of the U.S.? We are just currently sold in the U.S. Um, okay. for now. For any of our Canadian listeners who are like about to, you know, jump out of their seat or divert their current walk plan and <laughs> head to an independent, you can't get an Olipop yet, um, but hopefully, hopefully in the near future. Um, so you, you mentioned Orange Squeeze, used to be your favorite skew, grapes, maybe taking the cake now. Which flavors are kind of the most popular across the board and why do you think that is? Um, so right now our, our top two flavors in the portfolio are strawberry vanilla and, and root beer. Um, and I think it's just, those are, are two very unique, you know, distinct flavors um, that once you try it, I, I think it just has the highest, you know, retention rate amongst our, our, our flavors. Um, and people just fall in love with it. And there's not really another like strawberry vanilla flavor out there in the market. So people are really the only place for it. And then from a root beer perspective, it's the best tasting root beer. I mean, like you can go to the soda shelf and try to buy root beer and it doesn't taste as good. So I think people who just really like that root beer flavor, this is their go-to. Um, but, you know, right after that, I mean, Orange Squeeze was kind of launched you know, Q4 of last year, and we're really starting to see the orange squeeze take off as well. Um, and, and Vintage Cola obviously does does really well. Um, but but to be honest, like all of our SKUs, one thing that we're really, you know, focused on is it's something called ROS, so rate of sale. We measure that as like a, a velocity or efficiency metric. So, you know, when we're looking at the data, um, we're looking at you know, if a brand has 31 items on the shelf, you know, it's kind of hard to compare total units per store per week because, you know, in a lot of cases, we'll have four or five, right? So we use ROS, which basically takes um, units per store per week divided by the average items carried for that brand to show how efficient they are. And Olipop almost every single time is the most efficient brand on the shelf. And the reason for that is like, when you look at our flavors, like I said, Strawberry vanilla and root beer are usually our top one and two, but like ginger lemon and, you know, soda or vintage cola, they still fall in the top 20% a lot of the times in terms of skews on the shelf. So it's like, these are our top two, but like really not that far behind, you know, and outperforming a lot of our other competitors are these other flavors. So I think they all just kind of appeal to different occasions. Um, mm. For people, you know, like the, the ginger lemon is a little bit lighter, I would say. So people probably drink that, you know, a couple times, even in the afternoon, maybe, you know, the orange cream, my dad, for example, he drinks it after dinner because it's like an indulgent dessert for him. So I think it's, you know, each flavor kind of has its own occasion. And, and so it really appeals to a wide range of people. That's awesome. Um, yeah, I'm 
kicking myself that I am in Toronto right now and can't go out and get an orange cream. That sounds so refreshing in the ridiculous summer heat. Um, okay, again, I'm gonna switch gears a little bit. We chatted previously a little bit about your distribution strategy um, and it was really interesting. And I wanted to talk to you about how the team at Olipop is approaching distribution in a strategic way. And also, again, like what makes that approach interesting or unique? Yeah, um, you know, Olipop, like I said, is really around, you know, when we're working with the retailers, we view them as partners and we're really around trying to be as efficient as we possibly can. So that doesn't mean that we're just going to grab every single, you know, distribution or new door that we possibly can. We want to strategically do that. So. Um, for example, we're, we're in a test right now at Target in about 170 um, doors, kind of the, the South Central region, which is like, you know, Texas, Oklahoma, Missouri, um, Kansas, Colorado. And, you know, we're really trying to build out our performance there. And, um, you know, we're, we are actually really starting to take off there. But it's it's not, you know, just saying yes to every single opportunity. It's, it's thinking, okay, does this make sense? And is this right for you know, our business right now. We've, we've actually said no to some retailers just because it's it's not the right time. Um, but when they when they first started, when Olipop first started, it was, you know, primarily on the West Coast, right? Company is technically headquartered in San Francisco, um, although we don't have an office, everyone works remote. Um, but, you know, it was going in and demoing and educating, you know, consumers about the product. And, and so in 2018 and 2019, that was really the, the strategy was like, at store level, all we need to do is get them to taste the product it's so good that then, you know, they'll be able to go back and, and retain them and it'll be a repeat customer. Um, so it was really, you know, building out the velocity story there, creating the demand in other places. So when you go into a retailer, people in that geography are, you know, really excited about it. For instance, I mean, like Olipop at Whole Foods, you know, our velocities and the amount of dollars we're doing, it's, it's pretty, pretty ridiculous, but we're not even a global brand there yet. So global means, you know, that we're in every single Whole Foods across the United States. There's 495. And right now we're only in 295. Um, mm. We actually just got global authorization and, you know, by the end of August, we'll be at every Whole Foods. But for a brand that was performing this well, you know, we weren't in the Midwest market. We weren't in Florida. We weren't in the Mid-Atlantic. Um, so there were still a lot of regions out there that we hadn't, you know, launched in yet, but we built up the velocities and kind of the demand that now when we go into those regions, we don't have to really worry about, are we going to be able to, you know, stay on shelf there because the demand's there. Yeah, you've almost like proven out that white space, which is really cool. Yeah, exactly. Um, and then I think also just like our marketing team are, are awesome and, and they, in terms of advertising and just kind of the unique ads and everything that they do and, and the branding, you know, has really done a good job helping create that demand in the markets that we're not in yet. Very cool. I mean, that leads me on to one of my final questions, which is, you know, what can we expect to see from Olipop uh, in the future? I mean, I'm excited. This is just such a fun journey and, um, you know, we, we kind of have a foreseeable future for next year and, and the year after, but sky's the limit. Like I said, the, the soda category is a $33, $35 billion category. So, um, I mean, 
we're going to, you know, continue to innovate, but at the same time, you know, keep in mind not to have too, too many skis on the shelf. Um, but I would say that hopefully, you know, A, we get into Canada. So the Canadian listeners <laughs> can, uh, can get all pop, but B, that, that we are almost in every single shelf. And, you know, long-term goal is to convert soda drinkers to, to Olipop drinkers and kind of change the way we think of soda, right? That, that, you know, there's kind of this negative connotation whenever you think of soda. And if Olipop can change that and actually, you know, create, you know, soda to be healthy for people and not kind of have any type of regret when they drink one, I think that would be a big win for, for everyone. Amazing. Ed, it's been such a pleasure having you on today. Um, I've learned a lot about this category and I'm sure the listeners have too. If you can leave everyone with one piece of advice, um, what, what, what would it be? Yeah, I think, you know, brands are always planning ahead and trying to figure out what new doors or retailers to open, right? As they should, you should always try to gain new distribution. But I would say to look back at the, you know, retail partners that first took you on when you were a younger brand and, you know, show them love and figure out how you can grow them, um, you know, more as well, because if you can always like continue to, you know, widen your distribution at, at some of those stores. So I would say, don't, don't forget about the doors you're already in while you're trying to look ahead. One final thing, where can people connect with Olipop or you um, if they wanted to after listening? Yeah, um, connect to Olipop. You know, you can go to our website at drinkolipop.com or um, drinkolipop on Instagram. And then if you want to connect with me, um, you can just look up my name, Ed Collison, on, uh, on LinkedIn and feel free to reach out. Thank you so much. Uh, chat to you soon. Thanks, Megan. Appreciate it. Have a good day. Thanks for joining us for this week's episode of Dig In. If you want more information about Dig Insights or Upside, please check us out on LinkedIn or at our websites at diginsights.com or upside.com. If you have any ideas for future episodes or would like to be a guest, please feel free to direct message me through the LinkedIn app.